0: brock larry and the brock podcast uh sorry it's been a while since we had our most recent podcast a lot of things happening in our lives and good things and but mostly promoting and and dealing with the publication of atheism destroys i'm very excited about that it's available uh now in hardcover as well as softcover and uh ebook eventually i'll get to the audible version as well um it's it's exciting to see the attention that this already it draws out. You know, it's it's very funny how when you publish a book, especially when I published my first book, "Atheism Kills." You know, you put your heart and soul into it, and then you just wonder, <laughs> is any going to be anyone going to be interested in this at all? Um, anyway, fortunately, with "Atheism Kills," right away we see we saw a lot of attention to it. It was very exciting, and we reached a number one spot in our category, and I just couldn't have been more thrilled. And it just sustained like that for many, many months. I guess the message resonates. But I guess I want to talk about atheism, generally speaking, today, and I want to get a little bit personal as well in the process. Look, you know I talk a lot about atheism it's, uh, and the dangers of atheism in particular. And many people have said to me, you know, why not... Speak more positively in terms of the need for God and how wonderful God is, and God will make you feel great. And 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 look, they're right. They're right that those are important things to talk about. There's no doubt about that. But unless we understand what a world without God is like, then we don't really understand the challenges of a world without God. We we it it doesn't. uh, How shall I say we it seems like it's not as imperative to have a world with God when you don't really study the world without God. Let me, let me put it this way. If any of you have kids and you try to get them to brush their teeth, right? So you, you, you tell them, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth. It's very good for you. You don't want to get cavities. And until they understand one day what life is like with cavities, meaning that they haven't brushed their teeth, and then they have the root canal. Then all of a sudden, that's when they find Jesus, so to speak. Uh, they are suddenly very uh, hell-bent on making sure that they brush their teeth. And they're very, suddenly they floss. They, they understand the pain of not brushing their teeth, right? So we could talk about the benefits of brushing your teeth and how great a will feel and how clean it feels and so on like that, right? But, but, but unless you actually know and have history to show, uh, of what happens when you don't brush your teeth, there's not that much incentive. And that's the way it is even more so, a hundred times, a thousand times more so in the world of God. So I, that, that's what I fear. I fear that we are not understanding how important God is. So yes, we want to make sure that to go to church, we want to pray, we want to understand God. But we but most of us really need to, to take a, uh, not a backseat, but I guess take a, take a moment and understand the history of the world when it explored not having God in it, right? So we talk about fascism, that was godless enterprise. Everything about it was godless. The Mussolini, Hitler, all those bad boys, they were godless, don't let anyone tell you that somehow Hitler was a big fan of Christianity or he was a Catholic or anything else. There is no proof of that. The fact that he might have been born or even baptized as a Christian means nothing, right? I mean, what, what it means, all, the, all that matters is how you act. And how he acted and what he actually said in his life was that he had contempt for Christianity. He, of course, had contempt for Judaism, Why was that? Because he hated the Ten Commandments and he didn't want anything to do with the Ten Commandments. And he felt that the Ten Commandments and the rules of the Bible, generally speaking, were holding him and, for that matter, Germany back. And that's the reason why they ended up in their slaughter and why they felt no compunction, nothing to hold them back when it came to the wholesale slaughter of these people. You can't possibly say that there was any Christianity there. It's garbage. Not only that, but but his quotes, uh, both in speeches and in his writings, time and time again, said how much contempt he had for Christianity. He called it a feeble religion, a, a backward religion. He actually, if, if anything, he was more impressed with Islam. Okay, so that was one thing. So that's fascism. And then, of course, communism, people know more about it because, you know, they, they were openly— advocating atheism as a state-run uh, policy. But that's the same thing with fascism. But Russia, and now China, and uh, the former Yugoslavia, Romania, uh, Cuba, all those, all those countries, Vietnam, they, they had state-sponsored atheism. That was the official doctrine of the state. And each one of those countries engaged in wholesale slaughter of its own people, and others, of course, as well. Anybody that did not jibe with the uh, the state mandates, well, they had death coming to them. That's the way it worked. So I, I just, I don't understand when people say that atheism is somehow an awesome approach. Everywhere, and I mean everywhere, this is categorical, everywhere atheism was the state-sponsored uh, religion, uh, when it was the official Uh, policy of the state everywhere it led to horrific not just a little horrific mayhem destruction and mass wholesale slaughter of peoples everywhere there's not a single exception in history i dare you to find it and yet somehow we are seeing more and more people in america at least Running toward this notion of godlessness, as though somehow it might actually be better than Christianity and Judaism. They 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 feel that uh, because of the Inquisition and the Crusades, you know, something that happened a thousand years ago and five hundred years ago, respectively, more or less, of course, uh, that therefore we need to wipe out. Judaism and Christianity altogether, because you know, they, more th- more people have died at the hands of Judaism and Christianity than anything else. And they say, it without any evidence whatsoever. Now, I talk about this a lot in Atheism Kills. I, I have a full-on chapter about this called "Murder by Numbers," where I simply compare the amount of deaths that were effectuated by atheism through the atheistic governments, such as China and Russia, and so forth. Uh, and compare it to what religion might have been responsible for. And of course, what religion has done to the extent that you can even ascribe uh, the Inquisition and the Crusades to the Catholic Church, even if you could, it is but a drop in the bucket compared to what fascism and communism have wrought. So look, what's going on is a complete ignorance of history. You have to deal with that. But not only that, it's a, it's a wanton desired ignorance of history. They do not want to focus on this. You could, you could show them chapter and verse all of the things that Hitler said, all of the things that Mao said, all the things that uh, Lenin and Stalin have done and said, and they would just dismiss it. They would pretend it didn't happen. They would pretend that the evidence that you presented them are just, just does, doesn't exist. It will not sway them. Now, this gets to a very important part of of my life I want to share with you. And in my life, I want to share with you the moment that I went from an atheist to a, a believer. And I have to tell you that it was not a slow or gradual process. It was something that happened within a span of about five minutes. I remember I was in my college dorm and I was thinking about free will I had taken enough philosophy classes to realize that you cannot have free will unless a creator of some kind has given it to you. It's as simple as that. I, I, I had to accept that reality. And I, I, I felt, you know, the, the conundrum or the, the, the way that they posit the, uh, the choices, look, if there's no creator, then there's no free will. If there is a creator, then that's how you get free will. Or if you liked it better yet, if there is free will, there's a creator. If there's no free will, there's no creator. And everything is simply a function of robotic determinism. And that's the way I had come to believe. And, and I, just, I just did not accept. I cannot accept that there is no free will, that I have no free will to say nothing of consciousness. I couldn't accept that. Now, I had been a very strong advocate of atheism for a good 11 years or so. And I knew atheism inside and out. I know all the arguments. I, as I often say, uh, I can out atheist, any atheist. I really can. I've got, I've got better arguments than whatever they present to me. And I'll, present, I'll tell them, look, you don't have a good argument here. Why don't, you, why don't you try this for an argument? And they'll say, yeah, yeah, I like that. Way to go, Barack. And I lay it all out, by the way, in my book, Atheism Kills. There's a whole chapter about the argument for atheism. And then I proceed to destroy it, of course. And I, I don't let myself you know, take any cheap shots. I don't take any shortcuts. I don't pretend certain arguments don't exist. I lay them all out. And it's good. It's really good. But then you have to deal with free will. And then everything else flows as well. Consciousness, like I said, the incredible improbability of life on earth leading to the notion of evolving to this intelligent life. And then the, the, the fine tuning argument where the earth is so perfect, where we have a perfect water distribution system with clouds and evaporation, where we, if we spun the earth any faster, we would have no life. If we spun it any slower, we would have no life. If the earth was uh, 100,000 miles, and that's a, that's a minor fraction closer to the sun, we would be like uh, Venus. Um, if we were 100,000 miles further away from the sun, we'd be freezing. We, we wouldn't have any life either. If there were no Jupiter, there would be asteroids pounding us all the time. We would have the atmosphere. I mean, there are too many things. Uh, the moon, the perfection of the moon and, and how it, it forces us to stay on our axis and therefore the seasons and everything else. It's it's as if somebody might've created all of this. It's too well tuned, too finely tuned. And when I say finely tuned, I don't mean like, you know, a, a tailor made, custom made suit, which is made just for you, sir. No, no, this, this is so finely tuned, so very finely tuned, that the slightest deviance from it in, in the fractions of ones out of one out of a trillion, 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 trillions, with so many zeros after that, that even the slightest discrepancy to that level of margin of error would mean no life it may very well mean no no universe at all. so these are things that the atheist you know dances around, but they really can 't meaningfully argue it anyway. Let me get back to my dorm room where where I decided, and this is really the thrust of this this whole podcast. I decided that there must be a creator, and I I remember there was a very nice group of guys. They they were born-again born Christians, and I had always talked with them. They were very polite with me. They never, you know, jabbed their finger in my chest and argued with me that way. But And I got to say, they, they were very polite guys. I didn't find their arguments very compelling. They spoke a lot about faith, uh, which was very nice, and I, I, I respect that. But faith was not enough for me. I needed science and logic and probabilities and they never touched upon that. Uh, plus, I, you know, I, I don't believe in Jesus as a savior. Uh, I do believe in God, but that doesn't matter. The, the point is, you know, that's just a different language to God. It's not a big deal. But the point is that I, I found myself compelled to go to them and tell them that I believed in God. And what was so funny is I remember how I felt as I was walking toward their dorm room. They had one of those quads where you had four guys in one quad. And I, I felt myself dragging my feet like, like I had a heavy weight in my feet, like I couldn't walk. And I just thought, why am I have trouble uh, having any trouble going to these guys and saying, I believe in God? What's the big deal? I mean it shouldn 't have been something like, well, you know, I tried Rocky Road Ice cream, and I really think that now I prefer Rocky Road Ice cream over my previous preference, which was uh chocolate okay I mean why wouldn't it be just like that what's the what 's the big deal and, and and then I thought, am I embarrassed to tell these guys, am I worried that they 'll laugh at me when I tell them that I believe in God? Well, I knew that wasn 't the case, but because I knew that they would embrace me, they would say, oh, that is so wonderful to hear.' And and indeed, that's what ended up happening, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. But the point is that they were, I knew they weren't going to laugh at me. So why was I so reluctant? Why was I terrified of announcing my belief in God? And I figured it out on the spot. Here's, Here's why. Because I knew that as soon as I told anyone that I believed in God and that I really did believe in God, It would change my entire mental paradigm of the way I understood the world and that I had some accounting to do. I was now responsible. God was watching. And it was a completely different mindset. It it meant that I had to reorient my entire life. It was more than just uh, now expressing that Rocky Road was my favorite ice cream. I know I was being trivial there, but the the point is that this was a huge event, huge. It took more work for me to admit that there was a God, and I now know that, than it would for an alcoholic to give up alcohol, to admit that he had a problem, and to resolve never to have a drop of alcohol again. It took more than that. It was a thousand times harder. I know that may sound crazy, but with an alcoholic, somebody like that without addiction, and, and I believe me, I praise anyone who conquers his alcoholism, his drug abuse, uh, his sex abuse, his gambling abuse. I, I truly admire that. But in those situations, the alcoholic, the gambler, and so on, they, they don't pride themselves on their alcoholism, their gambling addiction, their drug addiction, their sex addiction. They don't pride themselves on it. They, they may ignore it. They may think it's no big deal, but they don't pride themselves on it. But when you're an atheist, you pride yourself on your superior intellect that you have figured out better than all these other schmucks out there who believe in their silly unicorn God that you know what's what. You're smarter than they are. And not only that, but you are the Uberman, right? The Ubermensch as they say the superman as nietzsche called it you your whole attitude is one of conquering the rest of the world and forcing them to believe what you believe now even if they say that they don't care about uh, you know converting anybody else to atheism it's not it's not okay that's fair we'll we'll take that but they have contempt for everyone else but the accountability thing is a huge thing to surmount so not only do you have to draw away from the, what you previously believed, but you have to conquer yourself in a sense of your pride, understanding that your whole paradigm was totally off base. Everything was off base. I think the closest parallel, everyone, the, the closest parallel that I can think of is, is uh, all those um, Islamists who suddenly realize that Israel is in fact a force for good, and they are suddenly supportive of Israel as a great nation, not only worthy of of existence, but as a light onto other nations and supporting her and maybe even serving in, in her army. I mean, that's kind of the equivalent. That's the best parallel I can give you. And I think it's a fairly strong uh, corollary, a parallel. Uh, but to their credit, you know, that the Palestinian former terrorist or Islamist, who somehow embraces Israel, you know, he's, he's probably going to be in a, he's going to probably be a target, of one kind or the other. But in many ways, the atheist who turns into a believer, he himself becomes a target, um, socially, um, not not necessarily professionally, but socially, it's vicious out there. Vicious. And for the atheist, it really is like conquering an addiction. It's a drug. Atheism is a drug. And many, in many ways, my rejection of atheism and the books that I'm writing, I will be honest with you, very candid, I, I'm conquering myself. When I write these books, Atheism Kills, Rise of the Sex Machines, which is a book actually about fighting godlessness, and now Atheism Destroys, it's all about conquering myself understanding in in the same way that a former alcoholic is now going out and and preaching and giving seminars about how you too can give up your addiction and how it's and here are the ways to do it and how my life has changed that's the way i feel about my conquering atheism there's a residue of atheism within me that forces me to write these books because i see the danger of that addiction I see how it almost destroyed me. Had I continued with the atheism that I had, and believe me, I, I was a far deeper atheist than most of these uh, young atheists today. There's a very big difference between the new atheists and the old atheists. Um, I was such a deep atheist. And I knew I had gone into that very dark place. And I, it frightened me. And I'm so glad that I found an opening to escape it. So now I dedicate so much of my free time to fighting atheism. I give lectures on the topic. I, I get challenged on it. I debate people on, on the internet and YouTube and otherwise. And the arguments that I hear are so poor by the atheists. I I'm I I expect better. And I, I guess part of me is embarrassed because I, I know now how shallow the the argument for atheism is, and and I know how deeply i how highly I thought of myself intellectually as an atheist and now I realize how how petty I was how how immature it was and so when i I meet an older person, you know I was only twenty two when I decided to become a, a believer but When I meet an older person who's, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, and they say they're, you know, they've been an atheist all their lives and they say proudly, and I say, really, and you're, and you're proud of that. (laughs) You think that's impressive. Uh, So anyway, I was, let me give you a quick difference between um, the uh, atheists of old on the one hand and the new atheists, such as uh, Sam Harris, um, what's his name? Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins. Those guys, they were three of the four uh, famous uh, new atheists, right? They, they called them the, uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse or the atheist apocalypse or whatever. Um, these, the, these writers, and for that matter, all the atheists that they claimed to represent, uh, they believed that atheism not only was the right reality, of how to explain the universe and life itself and everything else, <clears throat> but but they also they felt that atheism was more moral that they could not only have morality but their morality would be better morality that lives would be more perfect uh, that they could reach and strive for a better universe and society through atheism because you know religion was holding society back. Uh, and it was, uh, it's a big anvil on all of us <clears throat> for science purposes and everything else. And therefore, we need to get rid of, uh, rid of uh, God, right? The, the old atheists, like, such as myself and everyone else that I I'd argued with back in uh, the 80s, was a universe where we knew that it was dangerous. We, we felt like we knew the reality. It was an unpleasant reality. We felt like we were uh, in the matrix, right? We were Neo from the matrix, looking down upon the silly uh, humans down on earth who don't realize that they're in the matrix. But that's, that's the way we felt about ourselves. And we said, yeah, there, there, there is no morality uh, without God. Okay, I mean, it's tough luck, but we need God simply to uh, keep people in line. Okay, it was a fiction um, it was a mirage, but a necessary um, hallucination. How about that? That's, that's how we felt about God and religion, generally speaking. It was, I mean, Karl Marx said opiate of the people. I would just say it was a necessary illusion. And if we didn't have that, then people, you know, that wouldn't be able to survive simply by uh, following the law they, they needed something far more powerful to dissuade them from engaging in immoral activities such as murder, adultery, stealing, lying, all those things that we consider immoral. And, and that's the way we felt about it. But these guys, the, the new atheists, were very different. So you see what I'm saying about this. It's, uh, I went kicking and screaming, uh, mentally at least, uh, toward God, and I realized I had so much more work to do. So much more. It, it just like the alcoholic I was telling you about. He has to fight himself, and this is what my life's work now seems to be. My 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 passion is to fight atheism, and so so I answer my friends that I'm not seeking the glory of God. I, I do I, I do think that's important, but we also need to understand how dangerous it will be if we don't understand at the very least the history of atheism and how a world without God would be, right? I mean, I, I gave the analogy of, of cavities in your teeth, right? If, if you don't brush your teeth, this is, this is what happens. Eventually, maybe not, not right away, you, maybe you skip a day or two of brushing your teeth, fine. Even a week, fine. But I, I mean, putting aside the bad breath, you, you, you would have horrific problems with your teeth. You'd have root canal work to do, all, the, all the, those things. And of course, a world without God is far worse than any root canal, however painful you might imagine it to be. Okay, that's, that's the, the thing I, wanted, I want everyone to take away, how painful it was. Now, I'm noticing, and, and Dennis Prager talks about this all the time, he he noted kind of, with more, more of a kind of a, but non-curiosity, just kind of an intellectual curiosity, that whenever he made a post or a comment about the need for God and how God was important in society, how secularism was a danger to society, that's when he got the most vicious responses by far. He could talk about everything else, about Biden uh, not being uh, very effective as a leader, uh, Afghanistan and that pullout and the disaster there and things like that. Uh, and he would get negative comments. So that's true. Uh, but when it came to God, anything about God, that's when the real viciousness came out. And I see that as well. I, you know, as, as you know, I have a YouTube channel, uh, The Brock Lurie Show, and I speak almost, almost exclusively about the dangers of atheism. And there are, there are comment sections in the YouTube channel videos, right? So these are vicious, vicious responses. I've never seen anything like it. They 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 hold me in total contempt. They say I'm a moron. Um, I mean, the, the vicious things. In fact, I'm going to simply read to you some of these comments. Here is uh, Steve. Um, I'm not going to use his last name. Uh, is he saying that an overly edited 2,000-year-old book is the only thing keeping him from things like genocide? Man, do I have news for him. Uh, another one um, from W3. Are we still under attack? LOL. I forgot how much the religious hate atheists. I also forgot how hilarious it is when they try to justify the nonsense against it. Uh, here's another one uh, from, I'll just uh, say C because they have an unusual name. Uh, Damn right, people that live without the guiding light of the flying spaghetti monster cause all this crap nowadays. Here's another one. Uh, Nice job making the funniest comedy special I've ever seen Netflix needs to give him a stand-up special. Okay, grammar is a little off there, but you get the idea. So it's this and so many others uh, on Facebook as well uh, regarding my new book, very similar And it it reflects because many times they comment about how, you know, what about the Crusades? What about the Inquisition? Okay, look, I I talk about those and I deal with them because I, I know to anticipate them, right? So they don't actually watch the video. Their comments reflect that they have not watched the videos, which are usually anywhere between two minutes and four minutes long. So it doesn't take that much, but they have to respond to it, right? They have to respond with... If not hate, then dramatic, insulting language or various dismissive language at the very best. And it's it's uh, it's. And the question is why? Why? Why would they do that? Right? I mean, you 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 don't just judge a book by its cover. You don't. It says atheism destroys, and uh, how a world without God destroys the pillars of society. Okay, great. Uh, but you can't possibly say that you know what it. The book says, if you haven't read it, you can't possibly say, you know what the video says, if you haven't read it, but my, or I have seen it, but my question to all of you is why are they responding? Why are they writing at all? First of all, and when they do write, why are they writing with such contempt and so dismissive at the very best? Like I said, and I think the reason why is the same sort of feeling that I had when I was dragging my feet. To talk to those guys and announce to them, and I felt like somehow I was announcing to the world, that I believed in God. It's because they, they don't want to go through that process. They don't want to open the door, the possibility that there is a God, for one thing, yes. But more importantly, that there is a world of accountability that awaits them. They want to believe what they want to believe. They do not want to do the work because even with all the truth before them, even with all the science that you might throw at them, with the probabilities and everything else that I spoke about before, demonstrating to me at least that it is there is certainly a creator, not just probably, but certainly a creator. They don't want to look at that because to do so, they know, would mean a complete altering of their entire world view and the way they understand not only... Uh, whether uh, about the creation of the universe and scientifically and so on, but also how they deal with each other, how they deal with uh, romantic relationships, how they understand marriage—they will have a lot of accounting to do. And the more time you spend on the planet as an atheist, and then discover God at the end of end of uh, a certain point in your life, the the longer it takes you to discover God, the more accounting you have to do. Let's take, for example, an atheist who just decided that marriage is not appropriate, um, having kids is not necessary. Um, Maybe he fudged his uh, relationships quite a bit and, and, you know, kind of exaggerated a little bit here with his uh, truth-telling, and for that matter was abusive in other relationships and such, okay? Let's let's just imagine he engaged in gossip and uh, he was not very nice to that woman, um a few years back let's imagine all those things can you imagine all of a sudden he he now understands that there is a god and he has to unwind in his own head and realize that what he has done his whole attitude was wrong uh you know when i was 22 I, i was still a young man a very young man and I could turn my boat around, so to speak. I could, I could decide, oh, yeah, look, I'm looking forward to getting married. I'm, I'm, I want to be monogamous. I understand that there's a reason why monogamy is so important. I want to have a lot of kids because I think I, you know, God wants me to have a lot of kids. And we need more good people on the planet. But what happens if you're, I don't know, 60, and you suddenly discover God and you never had kids in the first place? I mean, it, it's a tough it's a tough new way to approach life. All of a sudden, you you have to explain yourself. It's it's very hard. So I think that that explains why there is this incredible vitriol that you see and, and that Dennis Prager talks about uh, him seeing from these atheists because they they want to shout you down. In the same way that you see all these lefties and liberals uh, shouting down Ben Shapiro. And uh, Milo Milo, uh, Yiannopoulos, I forget his last name, um, at Berkeley and other colleges and uh, calling them hate speech and just shouting them down, not not letting them speak in the first place. Um, There's a reason for that. They don't want to hear what they have to say. They've decided what you are saying and they don't want to hear. It's easier for them. It's easier for them in that case to think of themselves as victims because they've gotten trained to think of themselves as victims. And likewise, with the people who don't believe in God, who are atheists, they, they don't want to be told otherwise. They, they don't want to be presented with any information which might threaten their worldview. How about that? It's a drug, my friends. They need that drug, and they need to keep on taking it over and over again. And, and for those people that say, oh, it's no big deal to me, I'm I'm an atheist. So what? But but why are you watching my video then? Why or at least why are you commenting on my video without watching it? Why is it so important to you to comment on my YouTube channel and my books? I mean, I'm happy to, to get your comments. Don't get me wrong. It's it's fantastic. It's good publicity for me. I, I don't care. But but why do you comment on it if atheism is no big deal and I'm just some kind of crazy religious crackpot? who is talking about the dangers of atheism, why do you care? Right? I mean, if you want to comment at all, uh, then simply say, look, I haven't read the book, but if this guy is saying that I need to uh, find God to be happy, well, I I think he's wrong. Uh, Okay, I could live with that comment, but they, they don't admit that they're not reading the book or seeing the video. It's somehow very important for them to shout us down. No, to shut us down. To shout us down and to shut us down it 's very important because they know what it would mean if the truth actually came out and they would actually have to account for their lives that 's the reason why this is the most important message i can I can give you from this particular podcast now we 're seeing it happening all around us we We have a massive increase in Uh, suicides. We have a massive increase in depression, uh, mass murderers, serial killers, all those things, Uh, drug cartels, sex trafficking. There is a jump in all of these things. At the same time, there is a jump in godlessness. People who define themselves as nuns, N-O-N-E-S, nuns. I think that there's a 41% increase in suicides, directly related to to a person's decision not to go to church. And, and that's over, I think, 10 years or something like that. But it's a dramatic increase in suicides. And it's directly connected to their uh, newfound decision to not attend church, to not have meaning in their lives. And it, it goes without saying, right, that you can't really imagine uh, people that have true meaning in their lives, who love God, who have a sense Of the Ten Commandments and the Bible and all the um, um, commands of the Bible and the joys and the learning of the Bible, you don't see too many of these people killing themselves. You just don't. Likewise, and I I brought this up uh, previously in in a radio show, there is zero correlation, and I mean zero correlation, between any leaders or any participants in the drug cartel business, the mafia, the sex trafficking business. Serial killers, or mass murderers, you know mass shootings. There zero correlation between such people, such evil people, and believers in God. Let me let me emphasize that again. Zero. Okay. So whenever you see these horrific shootings. There is no connection whatsoever the The person who is a de- devoted Christian who actually goes to church uh, consistently and actually believes in a uh, you know a classic uh, religion, uh, whether as a Christian or as a jew they don 't do this okay they they make they may sit on other fronts, okay, we all lie a little bit, we all gossip a little bit sure i 'm not saying that such people are per- are perfect I, I am saying, however, that they don 't go that far <laughs> they don 't create. Uh, mass shootings and serial killers and, and, and the drug cart They don't you know, revolve their lives entirely around the drug cult cartel business. These are meaningful facts. And at, you know, all on top of, of course, all the mass killings of fascism and communism. But somehow, somehow the atheist thinks that atheism is just awesome and it will lead to a better world. So as I say, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But we are collectively engaging in this insanity. But the reason why is that we refuse to see the truth, to entertain arguments that may show us that there is a creator. And the arguments are not just compelling. They're not just persuasive. They are uh, irrefutable. You cannot challenge these arguments in any meaningful way. There is free will. There is consciousness. The earth has been finely tuned to exist, to sustain life here, and ultimately to create intelligent life and to survive on the planet accordingly. There's a reason why we are so massively different than animals. In every way imaginable, including the search for meaning, animals don't have a search for meaning, for example. Right? A sense of time and everything else that we are different about. These are unique things that you cannot explain by way of evolution. And what I'm saying is that it's irrefutable. There is a creator to our universe. He created us. And I believe he's, he's created us in his image. As I often say, there's a there's a you know a very legitimate argument to make to say, look, there's a difference between knowing that there's a creator and knowing that. That creator is the God of the Bible. I, I understand that. That's intellectually honest. You could separate them. I happen to believe that both are true, that this is the same God of the Bible, that this creator is the same as the God of the Bible. But, and I think it's irrefutable. But because it's irrefutable, I, I have to live a life where I, I, I know that God is watching all the time. And, and not only that God is watching, but I, I have great joy in doing what I believe to be God's will, which is to be good to other people. I I know that, it has to be that way. All the great things that come out of congregating with other people to connecting with people and and helping them out one way or the other. These are great things that bring out the best in us and sustain our lives. We we have time and time, uh, again, uh, evidence and reports of how important it is to relate to one another. We know that people who have great friends, for example, live longer lives and live healthier lives. If you have a community of friends, a circle of friends that you can rely on, you're going to have a meaningfully long life. You will extend your life, whatever it might be, uh, beyond what it was destined to be without these friends. And concomitantly, if you have... Uh, a life with, that, are, that is exclusive and you don't see any people, you're a hermit or God forbid you're engaged in solitary confinement for some reason, you're going to have a miserable life. You will, you will uh, be unable to relate to people, generally speaking, and you will suffer not only mentally but physically and you will have a shorter life. These are lessons that we now know. I mean, they, these are obvious facts. People don't want to see these obvious facts. God wants us to be good to each other. It's clear to me. I think it should be clear to everyone. But they don't want to see it. And that is why I dragged my feet on my way to tell my friends across the hallway that I believed in God. I just didn't want to see it. I understood that my whole world was about to change, and it was going to involve a lot of hard work. And it did, it really did. But the hard work has paid off, as it were. I, I'm far more joyous. I feel like I'm healthy. I have great energy. I love my life. I love my family. I I want to do God's will as best as I can. Am I a sinner? Am I perfect? Uh, am I imperfect? Yeah, you bet. Both of those things. At the same time, at least I know <laughs> that I'm a sinner and I'm imperfect. And I just constantly strive to do God's will. Anyway, I, I hope that you've enjoyed my little indulgence here about the need for all of us to embrace God, but also to, to understand the dangers of a world without God, because far beyond having mere cavities and root canal work necessary and such, uh, <laughs> a world without God, and I know it, um, and, and history has shown it, is one horrific image. All right, folks, thanks so much for listening. This is Brock Lurie signing off saying God bless, and we'll talk with you next week.